You're listening to the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast, where we feature everyday rebel women just like you who are taking charge of their life and creating a path to financial freedom by building a business online. I'm your host, Eden Freed, and this is episode two. Rebel Boss Ladies, have you ever said to yourself, ugh, I don't have time, I don't know how these online entrepreneurs are making it happen for themselves, I have kids, I have a job, there's just no time in the day. Well, if you said anything like that or exactly that, this episode is for you. I am so unbelievably excited to introduce you to today's guest. Her name is Emily McGee. She has a full-time job, two businesses, two kids, a husband, and absolutely no time to waste. She's the founder of Resume Shift, where she and her husband share resume tips and Google Doc resume templates for the modern professional. She's also the founder of MyAdaptableCareer.com, where she helps other bloggers work more productively. Emily is an absolute inspiration. She is a wizard with her time and she has been able to successfully juggle all that's going on in her life and still make money online. I know you want to know how she does it, so let's stop the banter and dive right into the interview. Emily, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. I've been looking forward to it. I miss chatting with you as often as we used to. Yeah, yeah. So why don't we just start by you telling us a little bit more beyond the bio. Tell us about who you are and what you do and kind of how you got started. Okay. Um, So uh, let's see, about two and a half years ago was when I started my first blog. I had recently left a pretty stressful job. I was pregnant and our family was living in Mozambique, uh, which is a country in Africa. So it really was intentional. I didn't want to find another traditional full-time job. I needed something that was going to be a little bit more flexible, something that was going to be portable since I knew we would move and I'd have to go to the U.S. to have the baby. Um, So after doing fairly minimal research, I jumped right into blogging. Um, I've always liked to write. I thought, oh, this will be fun. It'll play to my strengths. So that's when I started my adaptable career. Um, Again, that was two and a half years ago. And it it really was the perfect, flexible, portable thing for me. I, you know, had the baby, was a stay-at-home mom with two kids. Our family moved from Africa to India. So it was really nice to have this thing I could work on when I had time uh, that would sort of add a little bit to our family finances. And let's see, fast forward to now, and I currently run three blogs. One is my full-time job. I am the content manager for a software company. And then, you know, as we've mentioned, I run My Adaptable Career, which is about helping other bloggers be more productive as they run their own side hustle. And then this new business that I just recently launched um, to help people create and design a really awesome resume. Wow. And I always love sharing the story about how when we first connected and I was submitting a guest post for your site for myadaptablecareer.com and you were going into labor and you replied to my email and you're like, oh, I got your message. I'm just going into labor really quickly. I'll get back to you soon. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember it too. Yeah, that was a, it's a good representation about who you are. Not to say that everyone should be giving birth and blogging at the same time, but it, I really felt like I got to know you in that moment because you're just somebody who's always 
kind of work, balancing work and your personal life, which is awesome. Yeah, it's so true, right? Like I was like, well, this this is as easy as it's gonna get, you know? Like maybe <laughs> yeah. hasn't come yet. I might as well pop on my phone, send some emails, and it's true, you know? Like it's a it is finding that balance. And yeah, I do love that story. And then I always remember chatting to you then because it's my son's yeah. birthday. He was born like a few hours later. So yeah, and my nephew was born the day after your son. <laughs> really, really cool. Um, so I'm really excited to talk with you because I find that one of the things that new bloggers, new aspiring entrepreneurs struggle with is managing their time, as obviously you're aware. Um, but a lot of them don't have nearly as much on their plate as you have. So what, what kind of words of advice or wisdom can you share with people like that? Okay, I'll do my best. So there's a few strategies that I use. The first one is to sort of create more time for myself. And I do this a few ways. The first thing is that um, I intentionally found a full-time job that's remote. So I don't have a commute. I don't need to like get dressed nicely and put on makeup. You know, I save a lot of time with that. Um, and I have like pretty firm boundaries with my work. So I always work 40 hours a week, but I rarely work more. And so, you know, having that intentional job helps me create a little more time. Um, I also don't have a TV. People are like sometimes surprised at that, but it's like after my kids go to bed and they go to bed at 730. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really have anything to do, you know? So especially now that my husband and I are building a business together, it's like, all right, I'll go do some blogging. So that helps too. And then I also outsource. And I think um, a lot of the bloggers I work with are afraid to do this. They feel like they can't spend money unless they're already making money or they feel like, um, you know, a lot of them are moms or wives and they feel like they have to do everything around the house. And I sort of urge them to just think about it in a new way. So for example, I hire a babysitter and she comes every Sunday afternoon. She's here for five hours. It's just fabulous. And I work for a whole bunch of the time, several hours of that. And then I'll either take some time just to like relax and you know, be myself or to kind of prep for the week so that the week goes smoothly and having, you know, paying for that babysitter mm -hmm. is so worth it um, for my own like sanity and also for my business, you know, like I am able to more than pay for her now with my business money, but that's been great. Um, and then the second sort of part of my strategy, of course, is really planning and systems. And that's, what I teach everyone that my adaptable career. So I spend a lot of time planning in advance and really ruthlessly prioritizing, like identifying what's going to get me to my goal fastest. What can I cut out because I don't have time for anything and I know nobody has time for everything. Um, so that's something I do and urge my readers to do. And then I have great systems. So I have workflows for everything. That's actually one of the eBooks. It's my most popular eBook. Um, I sell like three or four copies a day of people wanting these workflows. So, you know, I have those easy systems. I have some automated email funnels so that I can sell things, you know, on autopilot all the time. So setting those up at first took some time, but now that it's in place, it's really freed me up. I'd probably, um, you know, spend five to 10 hours a week on my adaptable career now because I have all this in place. And then I think the last thing too, especially for people who are really busy is that, uh, and I'm working on this still, is that you really have to let go. Like it's hard for me to accept that I'm not 
going to have the time to do everything I want to do. And I'm sometimes too hard on myself and I feel guilty. And so I'm working to just let go more and kind of embrace the chaos and embrace that feeling of it's never done. And so I would definitely encourage people to do that too, like go, go easy on themselves. Absolutely. And I loved what you said about outsourcing. And then you mentioned a babysitter. You know, a lot of people think about outsourcing so differently. They think about it only in terms of their business. You know, I can outsource my Pinterest images or uh, blog post formatting or, you know, different things like that. But there's so many things in our personal life that we can offload at least part of it. And an example that I always use is cleaning your house. You know, how many hours do you spend cleaning your house? And there's absolutely no ROI, return on investment, on cleaning your house. You know, if you can get rid of a few hours of work, giving it to somebody else to do, and you can make more money in that time frame, you know, why, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, and it really lifts that psychological burden, you know, when you're like, yeah. oh, my house is filthy, and it's like such a drag, and it just like weighs on you. But to, yeah, that's like so worth it to outsource. I also outsource that, but when, when someone's... <laughs> house I'm not usually doing blog work so I don't consider it the same yeah, you know yeah. blog outsource but totally agree so I want to talk you mentioned your ebooks so or you mentioned one of them at least so I'd love to talk a little bit more about that a lot of uh, people who are listening are really interested in launching their first digital product whether that be a course a book a printable of some sort a paid workshop anything along those lines so I'd love to hear a little bit more about your journey when you first started coming up with the idea for your digital products and kind of how it, it grew from there. Okay. So the first thing I have to say is you guys, if you are listening or watching, you must launch a digital product. Like it's just, it's just the best thing ever. Like, Agreed. Go, yeah, you just have to do it. So um, my adaptable career was the first blog I was working on. And with that, I currently have one printable planner three ebooks. Um, they're really more like tools. They're not, they're not like a book like you would read on your Kindle. They're like sort of more like spreadsheets kind of thing. Um, and two courses. So the way I sort of came to that portfolio of digital products is I started blogging and I used blogging to build a small audience, build my email list and kind of test out my niche. I switched niches I had been writing about freelancing and moved into writing about productivity and time management for small business owners. Um, and so I kind of figured all that out through blogging before launching anything. So I actually didn't launch my first digital product until I had been running my blog for almost a year. And that was a mistake. If you can launch sooner, do it. Um, and, you know, the, my first, the first thing I launched was a course. That's the second mistake, launch something small and fast. So you can get out the door really quickly. I wish I had started with like an ebook or the planner, but I started with a course. Um, and then from there, I just kind of kept adding things based on what my readers were saying they wanted or what people in my courses were saying they wanted, what they might like for a bonus. Um, so just doing a lot of listening to what people say they want to say and, that they need and, then and where were you where were you listening to that because a lot of people say I don't know where to get in touch with my target audience I haven't found them yet you know how can I figure out if my idea is going to be a good one where were you kind of hearing those conversations so definitely in Facebook groups you know 
people, and it's not necessarily me asking, like, what's your biggest stressor? What's the biggest thing, you know, bothering you right now? Or what's the hardest thing you're trying to overcome with your business? It's more um, kind of searching through comment threads, seeing, just really snooping, I guess, and kind of listening <laughs> to what conversations are happening in that space. But this might be interesting to people who are listening. Um, for that first product, it was a course on time management. The, the way I got that idea is um, I had a pin. I'd been on Pinterest for, I don't know, seven or eight months. And I had a pin that went viral all about time management, like really viral. Like I had, you know, 10,000 repins in like a month. Wow. And for me, you know, coming from like four repins in a month, it was like huge. So I thought, all right, people care about this. This is something they're interested in. So then I immediately created a freebie related to time management and, you know, promoted that all over and quickly like doubled my email list in just a few months. Um, and so that, for me, you know, pushed me to create the course then. So I didn't even, I guess, need to, maybe it would have been better if I talked directly to people. But, you know, if people are saying, I don't have an audience, I don't know, um, you know, I don't know what to do, I don't know what they want. Like, there are other ways to listen in to, to people's needs and to kind of see what they're interested in besides talking to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. So kind of looking at what your most popular posts are, what your most popular pins are, you know, where does that spike go up? That's, that's really useful. Yeah. And if it, you know, I think this might make people feel better. I also was asking my email subscribers and in the comments for my blog, you know, like what, you know, what do you need help with? What's your biggest struggle? And people just don't always tell you, you know, they either don't know, they don't know how to articulate it. And so sometimes you're going to get an even more accurate picture of what they need by observing and listening and not asking directly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you said that one of your biggest mistakes was launching the course and not starting with something smaller. Can you explain why that was a mistake? Yeah. So there's this caveat. I've talked to another person in the blog world and she always starts with the course because for her, that's what's fast and easy. Mm -hmm. So for me, the mistake is that for me, that's not fast and easy. Writing will always be fastest and easiest for me. And I think when you're launching your first thing, it's very easy to procrastinate. So when you have a big project, it's even easier to procrastinate on it, Um, you know, because it feels scary and you don't want to launch. And also um, if if it fails, you know, we all have failures, then you haven't invested a whole bunch of time, but you're able to learn from it more quickly. So you want to, you know, do what's easy and quick for you so you can get it out there, see if it works, because then you're making money. And if it doesn't work, you haven't wasted months and months of your time. I love it. That's such an amazing takeaway, because I hear a lot of people saying, oh, I need to launch a course, but I'm so scared to record video. And they never will actually do anything because they're so scared of recording video. And instead, why not just create the course without the video? You can always add it in later when you get more comfortable, you know, or start with something simpler like a a checklist or a printable or something like that. I love that. And actually related to what you were just saying, I just looked at my like accounting spreadsheet before we got on this call and I have made more from my eBooks than from either one of my courses. Wow. And so let's, let's compare price point just so anyone listening can understand what, what are your, um, you know, smaller products priced versus your. So I have one course that is just under $200, Mm -hmm. very big, five modules, all the videos. Mm -hmm. It's got tons of printables with it. Then I have one course that is $100. So it's a little bit smaller, a little bit more streamlined. It's got the workbooks and just a few videos. Mm-hmm. And then my eBooks are mm, 
between most of them are $19. Okay. So the one that's a little bit more, but the other three are $19. So it's under 20 bucks. So that's really telling. I mean, for a $19 product to ultimately make more money than a course that's priced at 200 for anyone listening, you're thinking, Oh, I can't make money off of a low priced product. This is a real life example of how that's not true. <laughs> You absolutely can. It's awesome. And I think too that the smaller products do better for a lot of other bloggers. I think um, people, some people are getting tired of courses. They're getting tired of these higher price points. Um, they want like a, a short and sweet, simple solution, which you can deliver in like an ebook or something small. And you don't need that warming up period. Like right now I'm running Pinterest ads directly from Pinterest to the sales page for a couple of my ebooks. And, you know, I make several, several sales a day. Um, people don't, they don't need to join my email list. I don't need to like nurture them. They don't have to get to know me. It's like they go from seeing my pin to buying the ebook in 10 minutes. So with that sort of lower barrier for the sale, I do think that in many niches, it can be easier to make more sales. Yeah. And, and to that end, I mean, once somebody buys something once from you, statistically, they will buy something again from you in the future because they know you, they trust you, they like the content that you give them. So if you're able to close a deal on a really low cost product, like what you're doing, maybe down the line, they would be interested in buying your more expensive products. Yes, that is absolutely true. I have so many people who have bought more than one of my things. And even when they don't buy one of the pricier courses, they've often bought all of my eBooks. Um, and people who buy my courses almost always have bought an eBook before. Oftentimes they'll buy the eBook just like a day or two before. I feel like maybe they're just scoping me out, making sure we're a good fit, which is great, you know? And then they know like, okay, I can trust this. This is working for me. And then they jump in and buy the course. Awesome. And you said that you would have started creating products sooner. So why is that? Why would you start creating products sooner? You know, I actually hear this is a point of contention for a lot of people. I know many bloggers out there who absolutely believe you shouldn't create a product until you have a solid audience, like a big audience that knows you, likes you, trusts you. I am not in that camp. I'm more in the camp of what you're saying is do it sooner. So tell us more about what you think about that. Yeah, I think, you know, from working with a lot of bloggers who are struggling to reach their goals, the biggest thing I see is that people are procrastinating because they're scared. And so saying you need an audience um, is, I think, one sort of gentle excuse that we tell ourselves for why we're not launching a product because launching is really scary, you know, like no one wants to fail. No one wants to get negative feedback from other people, whether it's the feedback that they don't buy your product or, you know, actual negative feedback. And so I think so many people are saying they need a certain audience size because that gives them an excuse to not launch. Uh, when I launched that first course, I only had like 230 people on my email list. You know, it wasn't, wasn't that big, I don't think. And actually, you know, it's interesting to talk about this because with Resume Shift, um, we have three products already. Uh, I haven't even started growing the email list, you know, but we like I'm launching with the product, like the business launches with the product because, you know, I think it's that important. And also like when people are coming to your site, 
you know, you're there to help. And so why not give them that next helpful thing that they're looking for, which is a product, you, you sharing something, teaching them something, helping them with something. It almost feels like a disservice to your audience if it's not there right when they come. And why should those early visitors, you know, miss out on that? Right. A lot of people feel guilty selling something. I don't know why it's in our nature to feel like sales is sleazy or not cool, but like you said, you're providing value. You're giving an opportunity to further their knowledge on something or to get better or to solve a problem that they have. So I think that's a really great way of putting it. You know, starting with a product early gives them the opportunity to kind of solve that issue that they're having. Yeah, I've seen the same thing that you mentioned, people feeling guilty about selling. And I think, you know, that was something I struggled with too. And the big way I overcame it was just making sure that everything I create is something I'm really proud of Mm -hmm. um, and that I I know is good and I know it delivers on what I'm promising. Um, And it's been really rewarding my, I have like a pretty generous refund policy, like even my eBooks, people can return them within two weeks with no questions asked, like they don't need a reason. They can just say, I want my money back. Mm -hmm. But I have um, like less than 1% refund rate for everything, like the courses, the eBooks. So, you know, and I think it's because I really believe in the products. And so I'm selling them from a place of like confidence and being helpful. And I also, you know, kind of put everything into them. So I know that they're, they're good. And I think people can sort of sense that. So if you're someone who feels guilty about selling, you just work on your mindset. All right. Yeah, it really is all of the mindset. If you create a valuable product, there's absolutely nothing to feel sleazy about. You're doing good work for good people and you're ultimately helping people in the long run. So let's talk a little bit more about your creation process. Do you have any tips or tricks on how to actually create specifically your ebooks i'm curious about because courses you know are a little bit more involved but you have a lot of ebooks and with resume shift you have google docs templates so tell us about that creation process okay so normally i start with an outline and i think you're a you're a big proponent of outlining is that true yes so to say i feel like we've discussed our love of outlining even for like blog posts so for an ebook i do that too because i think first it's really helpful to see the big picture make sure that you are not forgetting anything before you get started so i work on that outline um it's also like something i'll come back to when i do the sales page so I've got kind of an outline of the content of what I want to do. Um, and then I will flesh out, you know, that outline, adding the content that fits in within sort of each little section. And at this point, I'm only focused on the content and the writing. Like I'm doing this in Google Docs. It looks ugly. Um, you know, it doesn't always make sense. There's definitely no formatting. You know, I'm just getting kind of all the ideas there. And so... I really try to perfect the content first. And then, um, you know, once I've finished that, the content, it's right where I want it. Then I move into the designing phase. And I usually, to save time, use a template. So I have um, an ebook template um, that I bought because I'm terrible at design of these kind of things. So I bought an ebook template from Station 7, I think. And so I use that. It's so easy. You just cut and cut and paste your text and it looks so fancy and professional. And then I have a cover. Uh, and then once I have that, you know, the product is created, then I work on the sales page. And honestly, I find that to be the hardest part because 
you know, a lot of the information that I'm sharing in my ebooks, there are things that my audience really wants. And I think this is the same whether you're a food blogger or a fashion blogger or a home design DIY, whatever it is you do, you are teaching people something that is already very comfortable to you, something that you know really well. So for my ebooks, it's like I'm telling people how I basically telling them how I do what I do, like how I blog, you know? So it's very easy to sort of write about because it's what I do every day. It's kind of how my brain works. It's what I, you know, it's what I do. Um, but that's what people are craving. So, you know, if you are in that cooking cooking niche, you know, and you write a cookbook, like you just put those easy recipes that just come right to your head because that's what people like me who don't know how to cook, that's what we want, you know? We want the shortcuts. We want what's simple. So um, anyway, that's why I feel like creating the product isn't that hard. It's the writing the sales page, like trying to translate for people why this is going to be helpful, why they need it, why they need it now, trying to tap into some of their sort of pain points. And that's sometimes a struggle because those aren't my pain points, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm never online looking for productivity solutions. Like I have tons of ideas. I'm always experimenting with new things. I'm not like hunting down a productivity book. So, you know, I have to, that's when I'm really sort of looking at the notes that I've taken. I have sticky notes on the side of my desk where I write down, you know, great kind of insights and quotes from my email subscribers or from Facebook groups, quotes about people who are struggling with productivity and time management. So I'll kind of refer back to that to work on my sales page outline. Um, again, with everything I do, I use templates. So I've got a sales page template for the content, you know, like what's going to go in the beginning, what's going to go next and next, and then also a template for the design. Uh, so that helps me save some time. And then, you know, then it's out there. It's really interesting how you talked about the sales page. I never thought about it in that way, but so many people struggle with sales pages and that's probably why, because you're creating a product that you are so close with, so familiar with, and you probably don't have that same problem. Not in every case. Some people did at one point have the problem that they're helping now solve, but that is probably the reason why so many people struggle. With it. One of my tricks with sales pages is to think about the problem that you're solving, but what's the emotional aspect behind the problem? You know, a lot of people you know, when they're going shopping, they're not just shopping to solve that top level problem. There's, there's a reason why they're going shopping in the first place. And it's one layer deeper than what they're even thinking in their head. And they can't really put words to that. But when you're writing the sales page, you have to find those words for that emotional layer. And that's what's going to sell the product. Yeah, so true. I totally shop because I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> I think most people don't shop because they're bored, but you might be an anomaly in that department. Oh, my shopping. I'm kind of bored. What's on? Man. All right. Maybe it's just me. But yes, I know what you mean, right? That feeling below the surface that's actually yeah. motivating. Like, yeah. What, yeah. What's motivating you to buy? And when, when you figure out as the seller and as the product creator, what's the motivating factor behind that purchase, then you're kind of able to speak on a deeper level that will hopefully close the deal. Yeah. Oh, and one thing I wanted to note too, I think a lot of people assume that when you have this cheaper product, like an ebook, that you can kind of skimp on the sales page, you know, keep it short because it's a cheap product. Uh, and in my experience, 
that doesn't work. Like the longer, the better. It's going to feel ridiculous to you. My sales pages are longer than some of my blog posts. Um, but I make the sale, you know, over and over. Like people want a lot of information. They really need a lot of handholding. Um, so don't skimp on that sales page even for a cheap product. Yeah, absolutely. And people will they won't read the whole sales page necessarily, but if you have the longer sales page, they'll take what they need from it. You know, they'll scroll to the sections that they want more information on. But if you had just a short form sales page, you're not even giving them the opportunity to get that additional information. You're definitely losing yeah. out on sales. Right. It's so true. I think I remember, um, one time I sent you a link to my sales page and you're like, I think you should double the length of it. <laughs> I'm like, probably, you're probably, probably right. I probably should add a lot more information to it. <laughs> but that was helpful insight, you know, from somebody who's, I always like sharing my sales pages with people who are not necessarily doing what I'm doing, not in the same niche, because you get that, you know, insight from somebody who's just a little bit further removed than you are. And it, it's really helpful. Yeah. Oh, and another thing, screenshots. This is like something I've talked to people and they're like, I don't want to put screenshots. What if someone, you know, steals my ideas or they can like read a few pages of the ebook, but myself too, we all want to see what we're buying. So you've got to, you know, give, give more on that page than you think you need to so that people can literally see what it's going to look like. Cause that's going to make them feel more confident, you know, about, about buying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm a big proponent for mock-ups, you know, and I just create them really, I take a screenshot and make it look a little bit nicer. Not that it's just a screenshot, put it in Canva, put a background on it. And then it looks like this nice little graphic. Yes. That definitely helps. Now here's a question for you. Um, lots of people are super worried that they're product isn't going to sell because there's other products available for free that are similar. What do you think about that? Uh, I do think it's a valid worry. And I think in my experience um, with my eBooks, the things that sell best are the things that you can put a slight spin on. So I have a printable planner. There's a lot of printable planners out there. Some of them are offered for free and mine sells, but it doesn't sell as well, not even close to as well as, you know, my workflows for bloggers ebook, which I haven't really seen other people sort of selling in that format. So I do think that there's value in coming up with some other ideas, um, thinking on it, getting feedback, if there's any way to just tweak your product a little bit to put your own special spin on it, um, I think that's worth the time. And you know, in the past, I don't know that I would have said that. I think I would have been like, no, it's okay. You know, like it's fine to offer something paid that people can get for free, but, and it is, you know, it absolutely is. But my own experience shows that it doesn't sell quite as well as that unique yeah, Something. I think it ultimately depends on, you know, what it is that you're selling. Like you said, a, a planner is available so easily for free. More often than not, it's free than it is sold, right? Because like a printable one. Yep. They're just so, so popular. But if there's something for free out there that maybe isn't as popular as that, 100% it could do well. You know, like if you're, you just kind of have to think about what's in the market, you know, are more things offered for free than sold? Um, that might be the answer to that question. But I love what you said about putting a spin on it. You know, what's the value incentive here for purchasing this? Maybe you offer like a bonus of some sort, 
or you position it in a specific way so it's targeting a specific group of people. There's a lot of different creative ways that you can put a spin on it, but I think that's a, a really great piece of advice for people. <laughs> yeah, and I think niching it down, I always think I'm a terrible cook, like I mentioned. I think about there's like unlimited free recipes online, but I still buy cookbooks. And the reason I buy them first is that um, I don't want to bring my computer into the kitchen when I'm cooking with two small children around. And then second, I want like a cookbook that has all the pictures right next to the ingredients so I can see like the technique and I can, you know, I have it all in one place. Like I don't have to scroll. And then also, you know, I like little niche cookbooks. Like I want one that has only Italian food. I don't want to have to like wade through a gazillion websites. So it's not like you need something that's totally different but can you curate it in a different way can you niche it down so it's really specific so that that you know that specific person you've got exactly what they want um so yeah like you said there's a lot of different ways to put your own spin on something so um don't be lazy you know like do the work to figure out what your little tweak is going to be yeah and that should come kind of at the beginning of the creation process when you're starting to outline you know a lot of times we skip that step of who is our target audience? Why are we speaking to them? What problems do they have? And how can we solve that problem? But how are we going to make that product really provide a transformational experience in some way for them? And you know, how does it how does it stand out? You know, and really coming up with that stuff at the beginning is like a basic foundational homework assignment for yourself. It's ultimately gonna make the creation process that much easier as well. It's just gonna yeah. speed everything up. Absolutely. And the sales page as well. Yeah. When you know who you're speaking to, everything else, it just gets a lot easier. The last time we spoke, Emily, you didn't have a full-time job and you didn't have the second business. So, you know, have things changed at all for you in terms of um, managing your time? Are things getting easier, harder? Are you spending more time, less time? Yeah, great question. So... Let's see. One great thing, you know, before I was a stay-at-home mom and running my business, and so it's been nice with a full-time job. I have the income and sort of the rationale to have full-time childcare, and that has been really great for me. Like, I love working by myself in my home office, at my remote job. I've found taking care of my kids just to be really exhausting for my personality, and I was very grumpy, so I feel like I'm a better mom. Um, now that I have a little break from them and have my own sort of outlet and have other adults that I work with uh, instead of small children. So that's been really nice. Um, I also have noticed that um, the busier you are, the busier I am, the more I'm forced to prioritize. So yes, a lot of stuff gets kind of like left, left behind, unfinished. Um, but, um, you know, I started my job in April, so it's been like four or five months. And my income dipped a little bit in the summer, but it seems to always dip in the summer. Mm -hmm. uh, and it wasn't huge. Like I feel like I haven't lost much income going to a full-time job and very part-time blogging because I'm still only focused on the money-making stuff and I'm not using my time on like random fluff, which now in hindsight I must have been doing when I was putting my time into the blog. So that's been interesting and revealing, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's sort of interesting it's, to see. 
It makes me, I always think, I always use this example, you know, if you have a track team and a coach tells one person to run a mile and the other person to run 10 minutes, you know, typically the person who's told to run 10 minutes is going to come back and not have run a mile yet. Whereas the person who ran a mile might come back in nine minutes, eight minutes, you know, it just goes to show like, don't give yourself an allotment of time, give yourself projects. And when you work in a project format, you'll be able to accomplish more in a shorter period of time, as opposed to like filling hours upon hours. Yeah. And actually I didn't launch resume shift until after I had started my new job. So I started the job in April and launched this new, I started working on the new site in June and launched it in August. So, you know, I found, I've found enough time to even start a second business since having the full-time job. Wow. Yeah. If you have a full-time job and you have kids, like Emily is proof that you can still make your business profitable, maintain a profitable business, especially with digital products. Cool. Well, Emily, is there anything else that you want to mention or I forgot to say that you want to add in really quick? No, I think we had a great chat. It's so nice to talk about digital products. I'm such a big proponent of them. Yeah. I, you know, I really feel like it's sort of, I don't know, is it too much to say it's like life-changing? I, I don't it's think it's too much to say. Uh, the last few people that I've spoken with have also said the tiniest little eBooks and printables have totally changed the course of their life and that they made enough money just from those products or that they led to other opportunities and kind of changed the way that they think about their business. So I don't think that that's too much to say. I 100 right. agree with you. <laughs> but I'm glad I'm not the only one who's so passionate about this. Yeah, well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. I know that you're super busy, obviously, with all the different things going on. So I really appreciate it. And thanks so much. Yeah, of course. Always great to talk to you. You just listened to episode two of Rebel Boss Ladies with guest Emily McGee from MyAdaptableCareer.com and ResumeShift.com. Wasn't that just an amazing episode? If you love Emily as much as I do, be sure to check out her website or join her on Facebook at MyAdaptableCareer. And if you're interested in learning more about how you can create a life of freedom for yourself by creating and launching a digital product online, be sure to learn more at EdenFree.com or join the conversation on Facebook in the group Beyond the Blog. We'll see you next time. Thank you.